Stay hungry, stay foolish. We are constantly in a rush in a high-tech, volatile society. We barely have time to enjoy our lives. We are experiencing a renaissance in healthcare with an increasing number of energy medicine practitioners available. We are joined today by energy psychiatrist, author of Positive Energy, an empath and an intuit, Dr. Jula Dorloff. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be on the show. It's great to have you on the show. And, and I thought, to give context for our audience, the work that you're doing when you're an innovator or you're a different thinker, oftentimes because the world is so volatile and everything's moving at such a pace, we barely have time to tune into our intuition. And it's a key part of innovation. And a lot of your work is about awakening intuition. Yes, indeed. Intuition is your best friend. And in your personal life, in your work life, in innovation and in businesses, you have to listen to your intuition. Intuition is that still small voice inside that will tell you the truth about things. So when I go in and I teach businesses or I teach any kind of um, environment where learning is happening, innovation is happening, one of the first tools is learning how to tune into your gut or your intuition. And, and you, do, you do a lot of work with big corporations like Google and companies like this on this because this is becoming a competitive advantage really for companies. Oh, it is. And I just spoke at Google in Los Angeles, and they are so open to teaching their employees intuition and having a work environment that's conducive to empaths or sensitive people. You know, it's really striking because when you have an environment that is supportive of both empaths and introverts and extroverts, it really creates a creative environment for employees to excel. I thought about this because, you know, when you hear about the term employee diversity, everybody thinks intuitively of, you know, sex or race or color or gender. And what this for me is what diversity is. It's diversity of thought. It's enabling people who don't aren't the loudest voice in the room or maybe not the highest paid in the room, but enabling everybody and then being able to access their deeper thoughts and being able to express them in such a way that the the company is moving forward with everybody's best self being present oh absolutely um and when i went into google and i spoke on empaths who are very sensitive people and but they tend to absorb the stress of the world into their own bodies so they need quieter environments to really create you know, they were very open to that and creating an empath friendly environment is what we talked about. You know, how do you work in a, in a big corporation and have it be friendly to both the quieter people who are intensely creative and also the extroverts? You're the pioneer of this new field of energy psychiatry. It'd be great to hear a bit about your pathway to it because you yourself are an empath and in, intuit. And it'd be great to let our audience know a little bit to give them context. Yeah, so I'm a psychiatrist in Los Angeles. I got my medical degree at um, USC. I did my psychiatric residency at the VA hospital in Los Angeles and also at UCLA. Um, so I have really strong conventional medical training um, as well as being an empath and an intuitive. 
And so I combine my conventional medical training with intuitive and empathic skills so that I can see more deeply into my patients. Intuition allows me that, and I use that in conjunction with all of the traditional medical knowledge that I've received. And it's an amazing combination. And that's what I call energy psychiatry in my book, Positive Energy. I thought about this when when I was reading the book that often on this show we talk about creating an environment of psychological safety where people feel safe enough to bring ideas to the table. And when I read your book and your work, I felt, wow, there's actually, there's way deeper we can go here because it's not even about creating just psychological safety. It's about creating an environment like you were talking about, like you've done in Google, where people who, you know, a lot of companies try and cut people from the same mold and they go, oh, leaders want people to be very like them. While if we can access people who are genuine, you know, empaths and quiet and maybe a little bit shy or sensitive, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. Actually, they oftentimes can see what's coming around corners where we can't. Absolutely. And everyone who's listening who maybe is more of an introvert or an empath or really sensitive to external stimuli and, you know, really loves more of the small environments where you have meetings with just a couple people or you have your work environment or even your, you know, a a room in your house that you can go to alone because empaths need alone time. I'm out in the world a lot and I give a lot of talks and workshops and I work with patients but I also need a lot of alone time a lot of quiet time because sensitive people as creative as they are can go on sensory overload and sensory overload is when too much is coming in too fast and it's extremely painful empaths have very sensitive bodies and can sense energy they can sense both positive energy coming from people and negative energy, which can be extremely draining. And so for that reason, empaths need to have certain techniques to help ground and center themselves so they don't take on the angst of the world, you know, which is an important skill set I talk about in positive energy. What I found really interesting, Judith, was you talk about oftentimes we have these preconceived notions and business does this all the time and it's nobody's fault it's just the way the brain works is that we have we come to the table with biases because we're born into certain paradigms and oftentimes we go against our intuition because we follow what the paradigm has taught us for example somebody's told oh you need to you need to marry an ivy league person and they need to have gone to such and such a school and they need to be a lawyer And they need to have a nice life plan ahead of them. And then you meet somebody who is the total opposite to that. And your intuition says, this is right for me. And I go against my intuition, go with the Ivy League person and it ends in divorce or ends in crisis. And I'm just taking that as an example of business that this happens all the time, that we go so much in face of our gut feeling because we're not tuned into it because of the things we talked about. Techno stress, we talk about information overload. And there's just too many layers on top of our intuition to hear it. That's why I write about how one can develop intuition, even if you're not in touch with it right now. Now, how do you begin to listen to it so that you could make good decisions in your lives? Because so many people look good on paper. 
and they might sound good and your friends might like them and your mother might like them, but they're not right for you if your intuition is saying no. So I teach people to deeply listen to what your gut is saying and let go more of social norms and social expectations and just go for your passion and who is right for you. But you have to learn how to trust your gut. You have to learn how to know what that feeling is when something is absolutely right. But if it's, it feels right, but it goes against what others are saying, that's always the challenge of intuition, is to be able to really trust your own inner wisdom and move forward with it. Otherwise, you're going to be in a job that looks great, but doesn't feel so good. Or you're in a relationship that might look great on the surface, but it's not feeding your soul. Um, so it's a balance of really trusting your intuition and using reason, using your intellect, you know, but also factoring in your intuition, which is what a lot of people don't do. You, you mentioned this here, people who sap your energy, for example. So energy vampires or energy you know, bleeders that just take from you. And then there's other people who radiate energy and charge you up again and oftentimes we don't know when we're about this and we might we might hear the verbal or the manifestation of that energy in it might be moaning or it might be you know giving out about the boss or the company or whatever but you you have a program you talk about your positive energy program where we can unlock our energy to understand and be able to have almost like the way i felt it it's like an air traffic controller to the detect where the energy comes from, where we should focus more energy, where we should put ourselves more environmentally even, so we get the best out of ourselves every single day. Yes, and that means that we need to be trained to intuitively sense energy and not just be in our heads. But certainly as a physician, I was trained in linear, logical, rational thinking. And I am thrilled that I had that training, and I value it. However, intuition doesn't come from the same place. It comes from, let's say, the enteric nervous system in the gut, the brain in the gut that has the same neurotransmitters as the brain, but it's in the gut and it comes forth as gut feelings. And if we ignore those gut feelings, we're ignoring a lot of wisdom in our lives. And so what I'm saying in positive energy is to balance it. You know, see what your mind says, see what your gut says, and then make an informed decision about it. So our body, though, is key to listening to our intuition. And there's a chapter in the book on energy vampires, people who suck you dry, and they're very real. And the way to know if you're around one is to listen to your intuition if your energy goes up or if your energy goes down. As your intuition will tell you that. And in a work environment, in any kind of environment, you need to know who the people are who suck you dry and versus the people who you get energy around or you feel more creative around or they're better work uh, co-workers for you because you could brainstorm and you're really on the same wavelength. And so it behooves businesses to really match up people who process energy similarly to ask them, you know, how do you feel around each other? Because it's, there's nothing better than when you have a creative partner at work and you're brainstorming and all kinds of these brilliant ideas are coming up as a result of your energy mixing. 
you know, it's it's so wonderful as opposed to just being with somebody or coworker who you don't feel much for. You feel actually drained around. <laughs> and and you talk like this makes total sense. And again, like most things, they that are sound simple. We don't do them. And and you talk about this that if if I'm aligned to those working around me and they're not draining my energy. I'm actually going to be much better off from a working perspective. I'm going to be way more productive. And just imagine if you were working around the circle of energy vampires, you can, you know, see an invisible connection to them where it's just sucking your energy out throughout the day. And you can feel it if you ask yourself the right questions and you say, am I being drained by my work environment or the people in it or am I being fed? You can really get a good idea of your energetic interactions in your environment, which are key. This is what I teach businesses and and, and my individual patients to listen to. If you train yourself to listen for these things or ask the right questions, now is this emotion mine or somebody else's? Am I feeling toxic or drained around somebody even though they're, you know, you know, excelling at work, even if everyone likes them, do I feel, you know, drained around them? So intuition is about you. It's about trusting yourself implicitly. And when you do that, that's very powerful because then you can form a life that's conducive to your best self. And you talk of the idea of pacing, Judith, and and some of the solutions. And I, I thought actually, even if you're not an empath or an intuitive, well, I, I, I hope we all are intuitive and we all have actual intuitive sense that's just maybe deeper bedded in for some people. But you give us some solutions of how we can unlock them throughout our workday, for example. It would be great to touch on some of those. Yes. Well, throughout your workday, if you just take a, a break for a few minutes, if you have an office and can close the door, that's great. And take a few deep breaths and let all your thoughts just pass by like clouds in the sky and begin to attune to the stillness within, the quiet self. And you could even ask a question. Let's say you don't know what direction to go with a project. You can ask that question and see what kind of flashes or gut feelings or knowings that you get. This is an intuitive training technique where you can get used to asking your intuition questions and then getting responses. But I've got to tell you that it's not from the head. You don't get responses that are linear or you don't figure them out. It's like an aha, or a light bulb goes on, or wow, you know, that kind of thing, like a flash that comes up. So it's a different way of getting creative input. And so if you program your schedule to have those few minutes of quiet time to tune into your intuition and, and ask questions, that, that's great. And then also another technique you can use from the book, which is just experimenting and seeing, trusting your gut around people and asking yourself, who makes my energy go up? Who makes my energy go down? And actually standing within you know a few feet of them so you can feel their energy more. And just noting in yourself the differences so you could begin to get in the training process of incorporating sensing energy into your perceptions of the world. And, and you give some, of the, some great meditations as well, Judith, in the book. And one of the ones that I had, hadn't come across before was the one where you say just to touch in between the center of your eyebrows and as a short meditation that we can do during our work day. 
Yes, that's your intuitive center in the ancient chakra system. The area between the eyebrows is the sacred center or the um, intuitive third eye. It's named the third eye because it's different than your physical eyes. It's your intuitive eye. And it's also the seat of the pituitary gland, which is beneath that structure, you know, which is associated with intuitive seeing. So if you just tap that area gently between your eyebrows or place your finger gently on that area and just see if you can ignite your creativity from that, that area, which is you know, such a powerful way of doing it. When you look at yourself as more than the mind and see, you see yourself as an energy system divided up into various chakras or energy centers, you can actually activate various qualities in yourself via energy. And what you described is just one way where you can tap your area between your eyebrows or just hold it very gently and just see what comes. A lot of times people start seeing purple inwardly because that's the the color of that area and it's so beautiful. If you can open up in this way, and experiment and see that you're not just your linear mind. When I work with a lot of people in corporations or lawyers or you know engineers, people with brilliant linear minds, it's sometimes hard to shift into their intuitive state because they're not trained to do it. With opening up energy awareness, then you know they have such a larger universe of wisdom to draw on and innovation and, and invention. And all kinds of new ideas could come through when you could open up to your intuition and the energy world. I've talked to so many innovators from all over the world on this show, and they always say one of the biggest things you need to let go of is is what other people think of you. And I'm sure you see this in your work, that there's a certain amount of skepticism and cynicism where people are afraid of what people will think of them. But I always think of a leader, if, I, if I'm a, a big CEO in a big corporation and I'm paying myself, you know, most of my money probably goes on salaries, I want the best version of my people to show up to work every day because I want them to feel secure, I want them to feel 100%. And to your point there, I want them to make the most holistic decisions they can make for the betterment of the business, but also for their own lives. Yes, yes, and you want them to be happy. Happy employees. And that's one thing I was struck with at Google. They had these silent places that you could go. They were called silent phone booths where you can actually close yourself in and be quiet away from the hub of of everything that's happening. So they acknowledged the necessity for quiet. No, they didn't have it everywhere, but they did have a place to go. And they had roof gardens that you could go to and have space and have sky. And they had um, surfboards where people could go surfing. This was in Venice and Los Angeles. And just to go surfing, if that's what their creative process was, and if their team wasn't meeting, they encouraged them to just have free activities and, and work wherever they are. And they also had another great um, idea there where they had a, a rule where you can't come into work sick, which is so smart. But they just didn't, they pay employees to stay at home when they're sick so they don't spread germs around which, you know, really creates positive energy. And, and most workplaces don't have that yet. That segues nicely into workaholism because this is a huge problem in our society where, take, for example, Google there, you could have a corporation where they have surfboards 
or they have quiet zones. But the culture of the organization doesn't allow anybody to go there because they're seen as slackers. And it's one of the big problems we have in our society today. And I'm sure you see it the whole time in your work where people's energy is just depleted. They live in this tired, joyless state. And you talk about ways we can unlock workaholism and also how we can identify the signals of it. Yes, workaholism is like alcoholism, but with work, where you just can't stop working. And you work at the detriment to your physical, mental, and spiritual health. All right, there's nothing wrong with being passionate at work and getting swept up in the creative energy of a project, but workaholism is something that could make you sick. And so you have to know the difference between passion and workaholism. And oftentimes, workaholics don't know how to play. They don't know how to take a break or go out in nature, which is so nourishing, you know, for empaths and for sensitive people, but for all people to you know, have a technology fast, turn off your cell phone, you know, go into the woods, go take a walk somewhere, um, know that there's a larger reality than just your cubicle that you work in or your office. Not to say your, your office environment can't be amazing, but you can't be there all the time. And if you work, work, work all the time, and I, I tend towards workaholism, so I've had to really work at it in myself, you know, to take those breaks, you know, turn off the phone. You don't have to answer every phone call. You don't have to do every request, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and just take those open moments. And then what I find when I do that is when I come back to my work, I'm so much more creative. In positive energy, I talk about the art of pacing oneself. And to pace oneself, you need to be in touch with your intuition because each day might be a little different what your pacing needs are. You know, how, how fast do you like to go? How slow do you like to go in the day? What are your high points of the day? What are your low points of the day? You know, a lot of people um, bottom out around 3 p.m., and so that's not really a good time to have a high pace for them. And it's, it's also, it is a good time to eat some protein and, and bring in some food that could ground you and raise your energy. Um, but it's important to know in terms of rhythms of your body, are you a morning person? Are you a night person? When is the best time for you to work? When is the best time for you to rest? And to really get a sense of your rhythms rather than artificially impose some kind of schedule on it, although I, you know, I know that, you know, so many people have to go to nine to five jobs, you see, but within that context, you can still pace yourself. So it takes awareness. Just ask yourself, what, what projects would I like to do in the morning? What, what in the evening? What in the afternoon? Uh, when do I want my breaks? When can I go and meditate? Because I always suggest that people have at least three minutes of meditation at work and then, if they can't go anywhere else with the bathroom, then go in the bathroom and just shut the stall. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I felt like my energy was getting off or I was getting drained and I just went into a bathroom somewhere and breathed, meditated, came back to myself. It's such an important skill to learn how to come back to your center so you're not drained. It's funny, isn't it? Because, again, we pay people to be really productive. Yes. In you know, if we incorporated these this, these skills into people's day, we'd get way more out of people. And as you say, they'd be happier and happier. People are more productive. But society and the kind of the way things are done 
prevents us from this. It's this, you know, so it takes leadership for to make these changes. Yes, leadership and the culture that you work in and, you know, being aware that people need breaks. You know, I keep going back to Google, but they have food every 500 feet so that people have a choice of healthy food or different kinds of food so their blood sugar doesn't go down. And that's really smart because a lot of workaholics just won't eat or they'll eat horrible food and that won't help their creativity at all. You see, so having healthy food available is a way to increase your positive energy and pace yourself. As part of pacing yourself is listening to when your blood sugar goes down. And that's critical if you work a lot. If you don't want to be trying to work you know, pushing against a low blood sugar, it, that's exhausting. So it's awareness of your body is what I talk about in positive energy. And how can you be aware of your body's needs, you know, while going to whatever work environment you go to or during your day if you have children, you know, or if you, you know, have many things to balance. I know that if I don't have fierce time energy management, I'll get exhausted. And when I get exhausted, I won't enjoy myself and I won't be as productive. And so I'm pretty fierce about my own time management since I'm an empath. And I don't like to schedule too many things in a day for me. That's just my way. And I'm a writer and I see patients in an office. So it's one to one, you know, a lot of times except for my workshops. So I'm able to control it for the most part. And if I schedule too much in my schedule, I'll. I won't be good. I'll be tired and I'll be cranky and I just want to go home, which is empaths. They always want to go home because empaths replenish in their alone time at home. You see, so it's about constantly intuitively listening to my own body as a psychiatrist, as a woman, you know, in all aspects of my work um, and trying to honor that and having people around me who can honor that too, which is really important. It's interesting you were saying about the food because this was something I really learned from your work was. So I've, I'm pretty good at tuning into positive energy with people and energy vampires, etc., and, and actually steering clear of them. But the one I didn't realize was actually you can apply that to everything. And you, you talk about doing this from work, doing this from food and doing it from the gym. And the food and gym to me were really interesting because I thought I never thought about this is actually what foods energize you and that makes sense when you say it, but when you actually tune into it and you talk about even keeping a diary and go, how did that food make me feel after I ate it? Did it, did it set off or, or trigger a craving? And that, I, that, I'd be great to share that with our audience because it's something that I haven't heard of before. Food is medicine. And so what foods you put in your body have a great effect on your energy level, your clarity, and your happiness. And there's a section on positive energy where I talk about being mindful of your the foods that you put into your body. As if you want to have a productive day or you want to have a great day, then it makes sense you have to put great foods in your body rather than you know, horrible processed foods or lots of sugar to get artificial energy and you have these um, kind of spikes and crashes, which is not what you want your mood to be. And so to find the foods that actually make you clearer make you feel better, make you grounded. Um, and you could sense positive energy foods and negative energy foods. You could look at, let's say, a supermarket tomato 
Now, here in the U.S., they're disgusting. They're horrible. There's no energy in them. They're just these bland cardboard things, you know, versus a, um, a natural tomato that's homegrown, you know, or an organic, organic tomato that's sweet and luscious and gives you energy. So to begin to sense the differences of food and find the type of food that is really good for your own body to give you energy. And I'm not talking about you know, sweets and sugars and carbs, you know, not that kind of spike, but more of a natural energy spike. But you have to test it out in your body. Everything about intuition is about testing it out and not taking somebody else's word for it. You have to see how you feel. Now, when my patients come in and they say, oh, you know, other people say this is impossible that I feel, you know, this from this food or this person. Then no, if you feel it, you feel it. That's your reality. And, you know, that's the basis of my work is really honoring people's experiences, even if no one else has experienced it before. Because I can't tell you how many times I've heard in my own life, well, you're the only one who's ever experienced this, as if that was demeaning my experience. It's so frustrating. No, yes, maybe I am the only one, but still it is my experience. It's important to value your own experience and the experiences of others. That honors them. So when it comes to food or people or work environments, you have to tune in intuitively to your own experiences, but you have to value them. And if you second-guess yourself or if you say, oh, no, you know, maybe I won't listen, then you'll pay a price. And sometimes that's how people learn, where they don't listen to their intuition. They go to a job that gives them lots of money, but yet they had a feeling in their gut that they didn't like the people there and that it would be difficult to work there. They still go there, and then they get sick. You know, this is what happened to a patient of mine who, you know, stayed in a job long after her intuition told her it was all right. And she wanted to become a real estate agent, and she was, you know, in some job, nine to five job that she wasn't happy with. She wanted a freer life, uh, but she didn't listen. And she ended up getting, you know, an illness um, that she had to recover from. And that gave her the impetus to leave the job. You know, I'm not saying everyone's going to get sick if they don't listen, but the body does send messages if you don't listen. You know, you'll get tired or you'll get depressed or you'll suddenly feel anxious. So those are all the body signals telling you wake up listen to your intuition see what i have to say most people do only listen when it goes wrong they don't have the foresight because we don't know and and nobody teaches this and this is why i think your work is so important nobody teaches this and it's not seen as okay or it's seen as a little bit out there to be thinking that way and like i truly believe we should be teaching kids this we should be teaching society it's okay to think that way there's nothing wrong with it in fact it's a competitive advantage if you do think that way and i thought about this there's a dalai Lama quote and I'm, I'm not quite sure how it goes but it basically says that that man spends all their life making money and then retires and spends all their money on getting themselves healthy again because they've made themselves yeah. so sick and I thought about it's like it's true. It's so true, and and it's like your your friend. Like it's like there's there's a term called the fur lined mouse trap. We're just going around the mouse on the wheel, and it's fur lined. It's comfortable. It's going nowhere, and we're getting sicker and sicker and unhappier and unhappier, and that's the cycle we're stuck in. 
Yes, well, what I've seen with some of my patients is they, they get stuck in that cycle, but then they get sick, and that gets them to listen. So it takes a crisis, you know, in the Chinese ideogram, crisis is opportunity. It takes a crisis for people to listen. And what I'm trying to say and how I want to educate my patients and, and everyone is to don't wait for a crisis. Listen now. Everyone who's watching, listening to this show, listen now. What is the best job for you? What is the best person to be with? What is the best vacation to take? What is the best, you know, meditation practice to use? Whatever resonates with you. Know yourself. Value yourself. And ask yourself these questions. It's so important because time does pass quickly. You see, and um, it's how you use your time that is key. To me, time is the most critical element. I want to use my time well. It's the one button that can be pushed in me that I could get triggered if somebody's wasting my time or if it's, you know, not a good use of my time and people are asking me to, you know, to do that. And I, I won't usually, you know, I'll listen to my intuition and try and spend my time in ways that resonate with me. Because at the end of my life, I don't want to say I was stuck in an office working, <laughs> you know, 16 hours a day. That's not what I want to see when I look back. I want to see a happy person who spent time with people I love and spent a lot of time in nature and was very creative in my writing work and helped people was of service. You know, I'm pretty much aligning my work with my values. You know, and that that's important to me. I don't want to deviate from that because I'll suffer. Yeah, I love that, Judith. And and you said there about, you know, your writing, for example. And w one thing that really resonated with me when I was reading the book was you talked about somebody may be in a job and they may be on that fur-lined mouse on a wheel and they can't get off because they are so well paid. But they can find hobbies that align with their values and they can unleash creativity that way. Yes, and they could find, you know, areas of nature they resonate with. Nature is so creative. You know, just look up at the night sky. Don't forget to look up. Don't keep looking right in front of you or looking down. Notice that you're a part of a greater universe. I mean, wow. When you look up there, it's mind-blowing. Don't forget that. It's not just you and your life. It's you and your connection to the cosmos that is active and alive every day if you can expand your awareness to include it and intuition means being in tune with your own body and in tune with the earth and in tune with the greater realities that's why it's so exciting it's not just your puny little mind it's everything you talk about this idea of unleashing creative energy and the benefits yeah. of that and i love this term you used you talk about keeping an inspiration inventory yes what inspires you Take an inspiration inventory. What truly inspires you? Not It has to be authentic. What truly inspires you? Maybe nothing does. I don't know. But then you could look around, you know, and maybe the little things will inspire you. You know, like you had mentioned, the ducks that live in front of my house, they inspire me. They're amazing. You know, they're just amazing. And to be able to begin to rekindle that flame of creativity and intuition inside where you can feel something stir. You're not dead. You know, nobody's dead, no matter what they've, they've gone through. They're, you might feel a little numb. You might feel a little stuck in your head. 
you know, which can be like a prison to be in your head with your thoughts. But it doesn't mean that you can't ignite that part of you when you were a child that would run around and, you know, look under bushes and, you know, go play hide and seek and have fun. You know, that, that child in you that was so creative is still there. But sometimes it gets over-intellectualized. And so the importance of positive energy and why I wrote positive energy was to, you know, have adults reclaim that in themselves. It's never too late. I work with people of every age. I had a 90-year-old woman come in who wanted to get in touch with her intuition. So whenever the time is right, you go for it. But I hope this conversation can really inspire people you know, if you're feeling a little dragged out by your job or a little in a rut and things aren't so inspirational, to take another look inside and rekindle that flame and take your inspiration inventory and get out in nature and do something outside your routine that you usually do. Listen to your intuition. You know, go turn left instead of turning right on the way to work, if that's what your intuition says. Don't talk yourself out of it. See if you avoid an accident. You know, just begin to play in that realm so you have more fluidity in your life so you're not in a straitjacket. So many people are in straitjackets in their life because they have so many obligations. And yes, you have to take care of your obligations, but in addition to that, you can tune into your intuition and kind of create a more fiery life you certainly have done that judith the book is fantastic and we haven't even gone through so many of the prescriptions you talk about sleep in there you talk about even your choice of gym and how that space needs to energize you etc it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you the pioneer of energy psychiatry author of positive energy an empath and an intuit dr judith orloff thank you for joining us Oh, thank you. It was delightful spending time with you.